Hello and welcome to The View from the Lane, our new Tottenham Hotspur podcast from The Athletic. My name is Jack Pitbrook, I'm your host. Um, we're still at White Hart Lane, it's almost 9pm. I'm here with Charlie Eccleshare, Tottenham correspondent, and Liam Twomey, Chelsea correspondent. It's been a, a very interesting and dramatic and in some parts depressing afternoon here at Tottenham uh, because of the allegation of racism that Tony Rudiger made during the second half, which led to the unprecedented reading out of a statement three times by the announcer. Uh, it's never happened in the Premier League game before. It's following the new FIFA new UEFA protocols as well as the Premier League separate protocol. And it it really did lead to a sort of really horrible, sad atmosphere, didn't it, Charlie, in the second half? Yeah, well, I think that's the right word. I mean, it was just so depressing that this was happening. I think there was sort of disbelief around us in the press box that it, it could be happening, you know, um, it's yeah, it's it, it, just such a shame that that's what we're talking about. You know, a shame for for Chelsea for, from their point of view that it's overshadowed what was a really a really impressive result and performance, and you know, no player should have to go through that. And yeah, it does feel like it's a situation that's getting worse rather than better. Um, what did you think about the racism? Did you did did you could you see the Chelsea players thinking talking about it during the game? I missed it in real time, but then you can clearly see on the TV cameras that. Rudiger is, you know, making the the monkey chant gesture and saying to the referee, "Listen out for it." And he said he he told Cesaris Pilaqueta, who told the ref, and that's how the the process went from there. It just seems like we can't have a really hot atmosphere in a stadium now without something like this happening. And you know, we all know there's a wider social thing going on that that, that is really feeding into all of this, the general atmosphere of the country. But it's it's just a, a really depressing conversation to have to have after a game in which there's actually plenty with the football to talk about beyond all of this yeah I think it really did it did transform the atmosphere I think in the, in the ground because it was a very like you said a very hot like tempestuous atmosphere in which there was an awful lot of frustration from the Spurs fans now I'm not linking the frustration to the racism you know racism has its own causes but once the announcement was made and particularly when it was made three times it did like it it was kind of detectable that there was a sense of shame amongst the Tottenham yeah. fans and all of that kind of like derby tension was sucked out of the occasion although of course there were football reasons that too because Tottenham were down to 10 men and and Chelsea were tuning up and it, yeah it, it means it means ultimately I think everybody or certainly a lot of people will go home with a very kind of like sour sad feeling after this yeah and I think that's a really Good point Liam makes about the, the it feels like you can't have that sort of like intensity without spilling over and, and as I was walking from White Hart Lane Station to the ground today and I kind of saw you know the usual kind of pre-game sort of excitement amongst rival fans and I, th- I just thought yeah of course there'll be something today how, like almost how could there not be something today and and that's so depressing that you're in a situation where you, you look around and you just think yeah you, you put lots of people together um, and there's a reasonable chance we'll be talking about something. I mean, I, my, my, I have to say, I, I thought, oh God, I, I think that, that is there going to be an anti-Semitism, another anti-Semitism story? Um, you know, and, and that didn't, that didn't happen at all. But, you know, I, I just had this fear that there would be something and, and sure enough, there was. It's really annoying because, you know, rivalries like this, like Chelsea, Tottenham, are the, are the lifeblood of English football and of football generally. You know, and you could tell at the start of the game, I thought there was a really good atmosphere. It was my first time at this stadium 
really carries the sound. I thought it was an excellent, intimidating atmosphere for a, for a Chelsea team that were, were really under the cosh in terms of recent form. And we can, we'll talk about the game, obviously. But um, yeah, for the atmosphere to be soured like that in the second half was, was, a, was a real shame. And, and, and even more of a shame is the fact that we have to now spend the next couple of days talking about racism again, when you know we all know that it, it's got no place in in what we're trying to what we're trying to do and what we're trying to cover here. I should say as well that Spurs released a strong statement after the game. Uh, they said that they will take action against anyone if if found responsible for this. Uh, they'll be working with Chelsea and with stewards to establish precisely what happened. Um, Mourinho condemned it as well. He said that he wasn't aware of it at the time, but then of course Anthony Taylor came over to speak to him. Um, which is part of the of the Premier League's protocol that that should happen, and that he said that he hates racism, and he also said that whatever reaction or whatever whatever reaction there is to this, like whatever decisions the referees and the officials make, he would support them. Um, so I do think that I mean I'd like to think that the people go home with some sense of solidarity, uh, even though it is on such a depressing topic. And um, we should talk about the football as well. Uh, we'll we'll get on to Chelsea being good first, but I think now we should deal with Tottenham being bad. Um, Charlie, what went wrong? Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, going into the game, Mourinho, I mean, since he's been appointed, Mourinho has said again and again how he just wants time to work with the players. You know, he, he, he keeps saying how since he started every week, they've had two games a week and he just hasn't had any time on the training pitch. Then he comes to this week, first week, first clear week, and he's got time with the players. And, you know, I think we were all expecting to really see something. And, and he, you know, he even said that um, leading into the game and it, it just didn't work. It was the same system um, that he's been playing and it was reminiscent of that pretty dismal United game where, again, they lined up in a 4-2-3-1. Uh, the two just really weren't up to it. There was a chasm, I thought, between you know those uh, midfield two and then the front four. Um, and again, just no cohesion and, and midfield two who didn't really offer the back four any protection either. So, you know... It, very flimsy uh, and that's a big problem area and I think he may be thinking about a change of system and stiffening that up and playing three in midfield because they um, they really struggled against Chelsea there today. Yeah and what surprised me as well was clearly Mourinho hadn't prepared for Chelsea to do what they did mm. which is go back to the 3-4-3 which they hadn't used since the beginning of October but on the pitch it really surprised me just how confused it made the Tottenham players. Like some of these Tottenham players have played 3-4-3 before against Chelsea, actually, in, in Conte's season. So um, it really surprised me that they just seemed to have no sense of where Chelsea players were going to be. And we saw time and again, particularly in the wing-back areas, but it happened in, in central areas as well, where Chelsea players were just bringing the ball down uncontested, appearing where Spurs players didn't expect them to be mm. and just having time to lay the ball off before any pressure arrived. And I think that contributed to the frustration in the in the stands because they quickly saw that Tottenham were sort of tactically unable to compete in the game because they they were just being outmaneuvered. Yeah, and, and Lampard said that actually afterwards as well. He said we we know they like to defend compact, uh, so we thought we'd have joy down the flanks. I got a real sense of I, I, from a football perspective, I thought this was such a letdown from Tottenham because everyone was so up for this game. It was their chance to go forth. It was Mourinho's like big week of coaching. It's the biggest game in the Mourinho era so far against the, you know, there's so much context here. Mm. And I just, they were so bad. And it, I got this overwhelming sense. And I, this is, might be like, I might be jumping the gun. I know he's only, he's only been manager for a month, even though it feels like a thousand years. <laughs> um, I just felt, is this it? Like, is this, is this it? Like, is it just going to be the Irons and Soka midfield? 
all the weird and Gazaniga hoofing the ball over their head, like hoping for a set piece or a second ball. And I know at Wolves last week they barely got the ball as well, but and they scored off a counter in a corner, and that's fantastic in a you know in a away game against a good team. But like at some point you have to come and dominate games and you have to get the ball and you have to create chances and I just watched them and I thought wow like this is really bad like this mm. is I really hope that Spurs are not going to be this bad for the rest of the Mourinho tenure or it's going to be really miserable yeah I think it is important to remember we are a new month in like, I, I agree you know you watch that and you were a bit like whoa this kind of feels like that United his United team um, but yeah I think you know <laughs> as much as we don't like to, because obviously we want to draw snap judgments. I guess, you know, there is a degree to which you have to reserve judgment. Um, but yeah, I mean, Wolves was interesting, wasn't it? Because we said last week, well, it's the kind of game where you, you play really, well, not really badly, but you don't play great and win. And you're like, on one hand, that's brilliant because that's the sign of a good team. The problem is if then the performances don't improve, then you're like, oh, maybe we just did get lucky. And I guess we'll see over time. What surprised me, actually, was that it took until half-time for Mourinho to make any sort of change to what was happening. Because this is a manager who forged his reputation, at least in the early years, of identifying worrying trends in games. And he did really it with Dyer early. earlier in the season, yeah. uh, you know, after half an hour. And, and acting on them sooner than other managers would. Even if it's not a substitution, even if it's just a tactical mm. switch, he could see from the first 15 minutes that, that Chelsea were out manoeuvring Tottenham tactically because of the way they'd set up and he, he did nothing and, and clearly from a manager's perspective you can't legislate for what Paolo Gazzaniga does on the stroke of half time and 2-0 is a very different score to 1-0 but you take that risk by not being proactive earlier and I thought um, by waiting to half time Spurs really took the risk that the game might be put beyond them and, and in the end it was It's so, so surprising as well like you know you, you, you think A having the week and B, it being a Mourinho team, you'll be switched on things like set pieces. And that first goal is like that kind of thing that happens at Sunday League and you get really annoyed at someone for switching off and not closing him down. Like that's just, It's so sloppy. And he, he, you know, slightly deflected and just pinned that on Aurier after he didn't mention him by name, but he said, you know, we didn't switch on properly. But that kind of thing, you just don't associate that kind of slackness with, yeah. with the Mourinho side. Yeah, I mean, there were like a lot of individual errors. Like yeah. Gazaniga for the penalty was terrible. Aurier for the first goal was really bad. Son obviously shouldn't have kicked out. But I think it would be kind of letting Spurs off the hook to say that it was just individual errors. I think often like individual errors are a function of the teams playing badly, players are frustrated, players have lost their heads a little bit. Completely. And and in almost all of those instances, there was context. Like You could see uh, five minutes before that Chelsea goal, Chelsea, uh, yeah, Chelsea got a corner and Mourinho was going mad on the touchline. So obviously there was... You know, there was some issue there. Uh, and then the penalty goal, that comes from Tottenham getting turned for like the millionth time. Yeah. So, you know, it wasn't just like a freak, they won a penalty. That's a consequence of pressure. Yeah, I completely agree. We should do a bit on Chelsea because they were fantastic, Liam. I think you said on Twitter that was their best performance of the season. It was, yeah. The best performance of the Lampard era so far. And, uh, you know, the, the obvious contender is Ajax in Amsterdam. But Chelsea were on a winning streak when they went into that game. They had confidence. They had. They were in a very different place mentally. Last week at Cobham, you know, Lampard admitted it was a long week after the Bournemouth game and they needed a response. He made bold tactical decisions. All of them were emphatically vindicated right from the start. Um, Willian played maybe the best game of his Chelsea career and they... They fully deserved the win, even if the goals came about in a slightly haphazard way that didn't reflect well on Tottenham. Um, they played really, really well. And the one thing you could have said about Lampard before this, he hadn't won a game against the big Premier League side. And now he he mm. emphatically has against Chelsea's most bitter rivals. And I think that Ajax game, um, 
you know that was a late winner wasn't it and it wasn't you know whereas this was just su- the control you know was, was what was really impressive and I, and we were speaking during the game that you know Chelsea can sometimes be vulnerable but they didn't really look it they looked very in control and then obviously the red card then helps but even before then I, it didn't look like Spurs were going to score yeah well Chelsea have had mixed results with the back three whenever they've switched to it this season but um, that was probably the best they've looked defensively in that in that system and for Kaya Tomori coming back he actually showed the same sort of composure he did in Amsterdam on the left side of that three. I think it's the first time we've seen that system with Antonio Rudiger and obviously people will talk about his role in the Son red card, but he was really, really good all game, played with the intensity that you need in a derby like this and the kind of personality that Lampard was talking about last week that Chelsea lacked against Bournemouth. So he'll be big going forward and this is a result that has big implications even at this stage for the top four yeah. race because suddenly the momentum has shifted hasn't it Tottenham had everything on their side going in and now it's a very different picture were you surprised that I mean having not seen Spurs obviously as much as Jack and I did were you surprised by kind of how, how, how bad they were I wasn't surprised at how they set up I was a bit surprised at the lack of expressiveness in that midfield too um, because even at Chelsea, Mourinho had a Fabregas. You know, you had someone who could pass the ball from the base of midfield to get things going. It was all very muscular, all very destructive. Um, and as we said, I was very surprised that he didn't change anything. But, um, I mean, Tottenham have really good players. They they should be doing more than this and causing more problems. Son, and until he got sent off, Son wasn't in the game. Lucas wasn't. Deli Ali got very frustrated, didn't he, to the point where he was just sort of charging around. Kane, Kane was completely stifled. That's the quietest I think I've ever seen Harry Kane yeah. in person. So, yeah, I mean, they've got the talent to be a lot, lot better than this. So I, I did expect better today. I was surprised. I mean, Mourinho said that. He he feels they need, you know, he said he wants a positional midfielder, i.e. a defensive midfielder and a passer. He knows Sissoko isn't that. He said he doesn't think Sissoko's that. But it's kind of dearth of fit options or, you know, Yeah, he does have, hand. I mean, he has, he had four midfielders on the bench. Uh, Ericsson, Lachelso, and Dombele and Winks, who are better passers than the guys he had on the pitch. And I know, sure, I, I don't think he'd play them in the two. I know, I know he wouldn't. And he he, he plays Ericsson in the two, like when he has to, like obviously in the Olympiakos game and in this game. Mm. And he did play Winks in the two at the start of his tenure. Then Winks got the ankle injury at United. But I just, I don't know. Uh, have you been quite like bullish about Mourinho? Start. I'm just being really reactive, but I saw that and I thought, wow, like you've got all these good guys who, who can play, and you're not playing any of them, and the team is rubbish. Anyway, um, we are the last journalists left in the <laughs> press room at White Hart Lane. It's actually, I mean, the game happened about a week ago now, and uh, we are about to get kicked out, so we have to go. But I know that uh, Liam and Charlie have both written excellent pieces on the game. You can read those on theathletic.com. Uh, if you're not a subscriber, you can get 40% off with the promo code SPURSPOD. Uh, thanks very much for joining us in recent weeks. We're going to take a few days off for Christmas, but we will be reporting on Spurs against Brighton, which Charlie's going to, uh, Norwich against Spurs, which I'm going to, Chelsea against Southampton, which Liam's going to, uh, and then we will be back with another pod in the new year. But thanks very much for joining us, and have a very nice Christmas and new year. Bye. Bye.